Pastor Chris's podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm here today. I'm excited to interview Reverend Tom Atkins. Tom is a North Georgia General Evangelist with the United Methodist Church, and he will be at Pleasant Grove Methodist Church on Sunday morning, November the 6th at 10.55 a.m. to lead our homecoming and All Saints Sunday service. And then I'm excited because Tom will lead us in revival Sunday night through Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. November 6th through the 9th. So I'm excited to have Tom. I was at a revival that Tom preached when I first started in the ministry back at Lithia Springs United Methodist Church. Charlie Green was our senior pastor and I was his associate and I was really impressed with the way Tom preached and the revival that we had. So I've been wanting to have him come to do a revival ever since then. And so I'm excited to have you, Tom, to come and lead us in revival. And I uh, thought I would interview you today because we've not had revival services at Pleasant Grove in the 12 years that I've pastored at this church. It's just not been a tradition for our church. So I'm not sure how familiar the folks at my church are with what exactly is a revival. Maybe we should just start there. And um, what is revival? What's that all about? Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, good to be with you. I'm excited about the revival. I appreciate all the work you've done and all the prayer that's gone into it. It's going to be a great time. Your question, what is revival? Uh, how long do you have? Uh, you know, <laughs> we could go for an hour or two on that. Uh, what is revival? You know, some people say you don't need revivals anymore. They're kind of outdated and all. I remember the question was asked Billy Graham. I think it was Billy Graham or, or maybe it was Billy Sunday. I don't know. But one of the two... Uh, they said, uh, um, "What we don't don't have revivals anymore. Why do we have to have a revival?" And he said, "Well, you know, you don't need a bath all the time, but you need one occasionally." Mm -hmm. and, and I thought that was a good answer. A, a revival, basically, in real short terminology, would be a special move of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a church or a gathering, uh, and, th and that's key. I think it, it's it's a special move. Uh, let me just tell you a quick story that I, I heard that I think you um, probably, I was preaching in England uh, for a good while back, uh, all the way across England for three months. I preached at different churches and all. And I had a, a gentleman that came up to me after the first time and said, I, I want to follow you around. Well, that happened a lot. And I felt honored by that, but couldn't preach the same sermon. That's for sure. But um, he said, I need to help you with something. I said, what's that? He said, um, uh, you're using the wrong words. And, and I learned after a while that that uh, the British don't speak English, or at least they don't speak <laughs> Georgia English. Now they uh, might argue with that, but uh, yeah, and, I understand and, what you're saying. And the, uh, but the words were even different because they would say, uh, there goes a lorry down the street. I didn't know what a lorry was. It's a truck, you know, or they were talking about uh, the, the blacktop, you know, or, or the uh, tarmac. Uh, and I said, well, I, what's a tarmac, you know? And so he was always trying to help me with the language, and he followed me almost every place I went. One time I was preaching on revival, and he came up to me and said, you used the wrong word again. I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, uh, the word revival. I said, well, why did I use the wrong word? He said, we don't call it a revival. We call it a meeting. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, only when the Holy Spirit descends and something happens that's supernatural, that is a revival. 
And mm. I've, I've thought about that a lot. And I think it's true. And a revival is not weird stuff. You know, it's not just really weird stuff. It's just when the Holy Spirit takes over a church or takes over an individual and enables them to be what God wants them to be. I, I think that's basically what revival is. Wow. Well, that's something that, you know, for me, the renewal of the church, the renewal of people's lives has been something that has been in my heart ever since I began in the ministry. Um, I always have, you know, experienced that in my life. You know, I, I grew up a Christian, but through different stages along the way, I grew like surged forward in that relationship. And I remember very clearly one of the one of those times was during the when I attended a, a spiritual retreat called the Walk to Emmaus back in 1996. And it just my faith became very real for me. You know, it wasn't just something I was reading about in the Bible, but something that was real and personal for me. Sure. And I've always wanted that. And that was before I was a preacher. So um, it took a number of years after that before I answered the call to ministry. But I've always wanted the church. I want people to have that real experience. You know, I want their relationship with God to be something that's deep and personal and heartfelt. Um, yeah, deep, not deep just not word. just emotional. It's 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 intellectual too. Sure. But the two have to go together. Sure, I agree. And I just, I knew we were going to be talking about revival. Can I just read to you a quote? It's a Dr. Robert Coleman, incredible uh, teacher, taught, taught me at Asbury Seminary. And he taught courses in evangelism. Uh, he's got a book that's been translated into like 50 different languages. But let me read you. This is what his definition of a revival. It comes from his book, The Coming World Revival. He says, sometimes heaven seems to come to earth. Men and women with lives broken by sin find grace to repent and the power to change. Uh, people make restitution for wrongdoings. Broken homes are reunited. Sometimes heaven breaks through. Prayer comes easily. The scripture speaks with fresh meaning. Christ and his peace seem to be especially close. Temptations are overcome and victory is realized. This is revival. Hmm. That, that, that captures it, doesn't it? That's it. That, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what you have, you know, you are, well, you're a pastor, you pastor church, but you are also listed in your biography as a general evangelist. And so what does that, what does that mean? What do you do in that role? And what's the yeah, difference uh, between that and being a pastor? Right. And, and there is a difference. Um, hmm. There's a big difference. I, I pastored for 23 years, so I, it gives me the experience of pastoring and knowing pastors and knowing the frustrations that pastors have, uh, the problems that are in churches and all. Uh, but I fought the call to evangelism, just full-time evangelism, for probably 10 years. Uh, and I, I could go, it's another whole subject we could deal with. Uh, but finally, I, 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 I told and I'm appointed by the bishop as a general evangelist. So you're appointed as a pastor. I'm reported for, uh, as, as a general evangelist. And, and there is a difference to, in, in those two. Uh, George Barner, uh, great pollster for the Christian church, in all of his polls, he came out with a, a survey on, with pastors. And he said 91%, 91% of, of pastors in America that, they've, that he's polled uh, believe they do not have the gift of evangelism. 
you know, it, it, there's a there's a gift of event. They're, they're all kind of gifts. Uh, scripture tells us Paul Paul talks about you know the gift of, of being a pastor, the gift of uh, gift of prophecy, uh, just different gifts. And then he says the gift of evangelist, and then pastor teacher. So these are different gifts. It's not that my gift's any better than your gift. You're a, you know, if you want to know the gifts I don't have, come to my church. They'll tell you all the gifts that I do not have. I, I don't have the gift of a pastor, and yet I'm pastoring. And so it's it's not a put down on pastors, but it's just a totally, completely different gift. I preach, and 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 I believe, and, and it's not an ego thing here with me at all, I promise you. But um, I, when I when I preach, I preach for decision. And I've had pastors say, well, I preach the same sermon, but it don't get the results. It's because they're a pastor and I'm an evangelist. So if 91% of our pastors in America don't have the gift of evangelism, I ought to be in 91% of the churches because that is my gift. All right. Well, I'm glad that you're going to be coming to ours. I'm going to, we, we, uh, we could certainly use some renewal and revival right now. Um, don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. So all. you, you've got a lot of experience. Um, what, 30 years experience? Uh, 28, 20, yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I travel all over the nation. That's what God's called me to do. It's fun. I, it's exciting. Uh, I've preached, you know, on the West coast from California to, uh, uh, to Oregon, to Washington state, but mostly right now, especially now with, with travel restrictions and all and the cost of flights and all, but I still preach. I preach a lot in Michigan and Illinois, New Jersey, never way up in Maine in that area, uh, New Hampshire or anything. A lot, of course, in, in our conference in North Georgia, but uh, just that's what God's called me to do. People invite me to come and I share three or four days uh, on revival and, and what it can do in our personal lives and how it can change us. So you've got a lot of experience then revival and what are some things that can help to have a successful revival or, um, you know, or is it obviously it's, I believe it's, it's God's move. God chooses what he's going to do, but just as he chooses in our own personal life, what we can do. But then, you know, I think about my own life and I think, well, there's some personal things that I can do. God does the work, God does the change, but I can do some things to kind of nurture it and make myself receptive to it. If we're talking about revival for a church or maybe a community, what are things that can maybe help nurture that? Well, let me back up. Let me back up just a minute. Uh, I believe revival is for everybody. You know, back in the old days, you'd invite the sinners to come into the church and get them saved. And now the problem is the sinners are in the church. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. uh, yes, I believe in inviting folks that are not saved to come into a church uh, for revival. But I, I, you know, the word is revival. Uh, that, you know, if it was just for folks that were not Christians, it'd be called Bible. Uh, but it's revival. And so what it is, it's, it's I believe, a boost to get folks uh, deeper in the Lord. You mentioned the word deeper. I, that's a great word. You know, we go. I want to go all the way. I want to go total surrender. And I think it's what God wants. And so that's where we are. But but you're asking, what what do we do? Well, you know, you organize, you put publicity out, you do all that stuff. But the most important thing is prayer. Uh, and I, I don't know if you're going to get to this or not, but I, I have seen revivals uh, and, and all, and I've been in revivals. There's, there's two kinds of revivals, in my opinion. There's a personal revival and there's a corporate revival. Um, 
what I, I'm preaching for both. And every place I go, I see some personal revival. Uh, somebody is going to change. Somebody's life is going to be changed. Corporate revival is a little different. Uh, I believe that John Wesley was a revivalist. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an evangelist. And the difference is, and I want to be a revivalist, but and, I, and I'm heading that direction, I hope. But a revivalist is when, when not only a, a person's life is changed, but a church is changed. And even more than that, that maybe a, a surrounding area. John Wesley's revival that he was a major, the leader of basically, changed the whole country of England. It mm. saved it from moral bankruptcy. If, if we need moral bankruptcy saving, it's right now. And so I don't see as many corporate revivals, but I do see personal revivals. But I have seen some. Uh, mm. Just a, can I give you a couple of illustrations on sure, that? Sure, please. Um, one of them I was a church in, uh, in, in uh, Illinois. And the pastor had never, I don't think it ever had a revival and really they wasn't sure what one was. And he, he when I talked, he heard me in a workshop somewhere. And so uh, he called me up and asked me to come preach. And then he said this, he said, but I don't know what to do. You tell us what to do. And I promise you, we will do everything you tell us to do. And I thought, wow, that's kind of rare. You know, there's going to do everything. And I said, there's three things I want you to do. I want you to pray, and then I want you to pray, and then I want you to pray some more. Hmm. Revivals come through prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Hmm. Uh, and so he did. He had scheduled three and four prayer meetings a day for two weeks. I mean, wow. uh, and when we got there, he still kept going. It took me two weeks to recover from all the praying. I mean, it was just praying. And we saw incredible things happen. We saw miracles we saw we saw uh, marriages put back together a couple that was getting ready to sign the divorce papers the next day were brought back together just just a powerful thing that just changed so much so much going on in that community and in the church the church was never the same again i did a revival at sam jones united methodist church you might be familiar with up in cartersville mm -hmm. um, uh, kevin uh, labello was the pastor and just he prepared people and they prayed and they got the whole community praying. They did prayer walks and all. And I, I have, it was a move of God. Like I haven't seen in a long, long, long time. It was just, hmm. just an incredible thing. So prayers involved there. Uh, we could go on uh, Trinity on the Hill uh, in Augusta. We had a powerful missions conference and uh, Norcross had a powerful missions conference that I preached at. And uh, in Norcross, we saw five people get called to full-time missions. I'm um, talking quit your job kind of and leave. And the, three um, of them went to Africa um, and uh, several are still there. So just those kind of things happen. Um, and then, of course, the greatest revival I've ever been a part of, I didn't preach it, but I was part of, was the great revival that happened at Asbury uh, College, Asbury University now, back mm. in 1970. I was in seminary at the time, and uh, uh, that revival went 185 straight hours, day and night. Wow. Uh, just, I mean, it, you'd go in there at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning. There were four or 500 people in there praising God and worshiping. And it just, uh, long story I could get into later. Maybe we'll get into it when I, when I preach the revival at your church, but uh, it changed my life. Uh, it, hmm. it, I was in seminary now <laughs> and it changed my life. Uh, wow. Anyway, that's wow. just some of the illustrations of revival. And, but, but the key, back to your original question, the key is prayer. Right. If, right. If people pray. People pray, yeah. 
Right. Well, we're we're doing a lot of that, and I know uh, you are. Uh, we're we're hoping, you know, we're, we're, we got we got a lot going on at our church right now, as a lot of different Methodist churches do at this time. So we we recognize the the desperate need, really, for prayer to strengthen us individually and as a, a corporate body. So um, we've included that, you know, part of this prepa- preparation for revival. Um, you know, another thing that kind of comes to my mind is you brought brought up John Wesley being a revivalist um my understanding reading through history is that john wesley was not necessarily the the most dynamic preacher george whitfield was a much better preacher than him and and people liked his sermons better got more fired up from his sermons but john wesley i believe i recall um whitfield saying or being quoted near to the end of his life that John Wesley was much more effective because he was able to organize people during the revival events so that the the amazing things that happened during the service continue to grow and continue on for years and years and years after, you know, maybe a revival service or evangelistic event. And Whitfield kind of commented about how that was John Wesley's gift that allowed him to really capitalize on rather than it just being a a fabulous three-day event and then everybody goes back to being their normal life have you seen anything on the other side of revivals or evangelistic events that help churches and people to really capitalize on what happens during a revival yeah that's good well uh, to be honest with you it's the uh it's the pastor that makes the difference. Uh, if the pastor believes in it like you do, uh, then something will come from that. I, I'm sure I've preached at places where it just got dropped, you know. But uh, the one in Illinois, for instance, that I think is one of the greatest times I've had, uh, it, uh, that pastor really jumped on it with both feet, you know, and organized groups. And, and you know, that's important. Follow through is important. Um, it's uh, having a revival and no follow-up is okay. Uh, it's better than nothing, but having a follow-up afterwards is, is the best way um, always for sure. It's just people, once they experience the power of the Holy spirit. Uh, and when I say that, don't get me wrong. This, a lot of people say, I think of the Holy spirit scares them to death about, you know, what's going to happen. But the only reason the Holy spirit is involved in this is to get us closer to God. Mm. Uh, that's his job. That's who he is. Uh, he points towards God. And um, I, I, I'm sure that um, things happen. I, I did a revival um, over in uh, West Georgia, hmm. over in the Carrollton area at a church. And I'd done one 10 years before that. I didn't know how many years, but I'd done one that it was a different pastor and all. And they had three services in the morning, and uh, you didn't have time to go to the bathroom between services. I mean, just a jib, jib, jib. And I was preaching the first service, and a, a young lady came up to me, uh, college age or maybe a little older. And she said, I know you're in a hurry. You've got to go to the next service, but could I just get three or four minutes of your time? I said, sure. And she said, uh, when you were here 10 years ago, I, I got saved on a Sunday morning. I gave my life to Christ on Sunday morning. I said, are you sure it was 10 years ago? And she pulled out a bulletin out of her, her Bible of the service of 10 years ago. Wow. And, um, you know, 
I don't always know what happens. You know, I, I mean, I never knew that happened. I ended up uh, meeting with her a couple of times in a coffee shop. She she was going to school at a Christian college up near where I live right now hmm. and uh, got a chance to talk to her. And uh, her, li- it's, her life is incredible right now. I mean, really incredible. But you don't know what happens. Sometimes right. You, you just have to go on faith, probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. as a pastor, you're, you tend to be involved with people's lives for a longer term period of time. As evangelist, you kind of go in I and mean, you may not have an ongoing relationship. Probably most of the time you don't. Um, maybe with the pastor or maybe with one or two individuals, but yeah, you know, that's faith, I guess. Yeah. That's what the circuit, early circuit writers did. You know, they, uh, Francis Asbury, Thomas Coke, the two first bishops in the Methodist church, they would go and they'd preach and then they'd turn it over to the lay people and go to the next place and preach again. So yeah, basically I got the fun part, you know, (laughs) you got the work part. Right, right, right. Well, it's fun too. It's really neat to see. Um, I keep pictures in my office of different people that I've ministered to over the last 20 years that I've been a pastor. And, you know, I still, thankfully with social media, I'm able to keep up with them even after I move on from their church. And it's just neat to see them grow and change and and to know I had a small part in their life and hopefully it was helpful for them. You know, Chris, I uh, I was preaching a revival in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, the way I got the revival, the guy called me up and he said, I know you don't remember me. And I, I didn't, you know, I, mean, I can hardly remember who I preached to the last week, much less years later. Right. And he said, uh, one night when you gave an invitation, I came forward and I accepted a call to preach. Uh, and, and now he was asking me to come to his church after he accepted it while I was preaching mm-hmm. uh, at a church in Georgia. So, yeah. so just don't know. I imagine you might find some freedom as well in not having that long-term relationship because, you know, if I, I mean, I try to, I try to be faithful and just say what God leads, lays on my heart every Sunday. Um, But I do realize I have to look them in the eye again next Sunday and tomorrow, and I might have to, you know, be in a council meeting with them or whatever so um as an evangelist you don't really have to worry about that do you and <laughs> no, i just i can preach whatever god tells me and get out of there you know? right i you tell people all the time yeah i tell the people the last sermon i'm going to preach at your church may be kind of hard so i'm getting out of here <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know it, yeah there's freedom there sure sure yeah although i'm i'm pretty bold if i have i'm a, when i'm a pastor too so right 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 and, and i and like i said i i I, <laughs> I try to say that i mean i just try to be you know, say what God wants me, but, but yeah. Um, so is it, you know, any other thoughts or things that you wanted to share or uh, that you wish people knew or. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I hope we get the word out. The more, the more people you can get exposed, you know, and uh, if, if everybody is li- listening to this or watching this, could it just get on their Facebook and just mm-hmm. push it on Facebook. Uh, that's seems, you know, that's, or, or some kind of, media like that 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 would be a help uh but it's just you know we want to reach people that um that are hungry for something new something more uh you know there are people people you preach to every sunday people i preach to uh they're living in fear there's anxiety there's worry um you know and 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 jesus can take care of that you know uh but the difference in you preaching on a Sunday morning and me preaching once a week, 
first of all, it's the gift. And, and I, you may have a gift of evangelism. I don't know, but, but I've got that. But also, you've you got to realize that you put so much effort and so much prayer into just four days uh, that they may hear the same words that you preach from me, but because of all the prayer, because of the situation and, and expectancy of God to do something, it will take place. Right. So, you know, just I tell people, you know, if I ask the question, if you thought that if you come to every night and if, if the thought is that this could possibly change your life forever uh, or the life of your children or grandchildren forever, would you make it a priority? Hmm. Uh, would you cancel the ball game or cancel this show on television or cancel even going out of town? And I've had that happen. People just, you know, they, and, and it's paid off. It, it just needs to be a priority in, in, in folks' life to come. And I, I preached at an Episcopal church one time of all things, you know, did a revival and um, people came because it was a novelty. They, they had never heard of, a, of an evangelist and never heard of a revival. Uh, and yet God really moved. Uh, it just so happens that that rector, that pastor <clears throat> is now the archbishop of the Anglican church in North America. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, it's just, God puts these things together. There's, I don't believe in accidents anymore. <clears throat> it was not an accident that you heard me preach uh, it, uh, with Charlie Green down there. It's not an accident that people are in your church. It's not an accident that you've had me come. I, I believe God's got this thing all together. Right. He, that's one thing I've learned is that he has a way, he has a plan and we can't always see it, but he knows what he's doing and he does things at the right time. And I just yeah. know that, you know, I mean, our world, our country, our all that we've been through over the last three years, um, it's been hard. And, um, you know, our church has done well. A lot a lot of churches have really struggled through the pandemic. Um, our church has done well. We, we, we thrived through the pandemic as much as you could thrive in those kinds of situations. And that's not to, you know, kind of you know, minimize all of the suffering and death that many people experience. But for us, it was a time when we really came together and said, all right, we're in a tough time, but we're a good team and we believe in what God's doing. So we did God's work. The ironic thing is that now that we've been through that and maybe it feels like we're sort of coming out on the other side, but, you know, there's a weariness I think that everyone is feeling yeah. that um, we've had to work extra hard for two and a half years. And, you know, there's just a tiredness that's there. And and then with all you add with that, all of the other concerns that are going on in the world. And um, I believe that now is a time when people really need to draw closer to Christ and also receive the strength that he gives us that we need. For these times. So um, I'm really hoping that, um, you know, this can be part of that renewal. Yeah. Yeah. Renewal is a good word. You know, somebody said God can use what he does not choose. Hmm. Uh, I think that's, that's a good statement that, uh, you know, God can use the pandemic. God can use the hard times and, and it brings us to a place where we need something more than our own resources. Uh, and that's, that's what God is. That's who he is. Well, really looking forward to it and uh, Me too. 
Charlie, Charlie Green uh, told me to tell you hello. Another Facebook friend of mine, Sandra Mott, um, yeah. said, tell you hello. So they Sandra's going to be preaching for me while I'm going from my church. Is that, is that right? How about that? How about that? Yeah. So it's good to have that connection. And I appreciate her doing that for you so you can be with us. Me too. Me too. Well, thank you, Tom, so much for um, coming on today and telling us a little bit about your work and renewal and revival. Looking forward to our time together, November 6th through the 9th. And uh, we'll be having our morning service at 1055 and our evening services will be at 630 each night. So well, I want to make a correction for you. How's that? The revival is going to start Sunday morning. OK, I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. Yeah. We 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 will be revived for sure. We'll be okay, revived buddy. for sure. All right. Thanks for putting all this together. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, thanks again and uh look forward to seeing you. Yep. See you Sunday week. All yep. right. All right, buddy.